Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs, and you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two great ways to feel good this season. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. Okay, so today we're bringing you two stories from the Welcome Project's archive, and these are actually pretty, these are relatively new stories. They're fresh. Yeah, so these were just published, so that's pretty exciting. And they're titled, Because I Can Forgive and Not at the Expense of Being Myself. And we're only going to play a part of that latter one, um, because today I decided, okay, so at first I listened to um, Because I Can Forgive, and it's sort of this like, I don't know, it's sort of this like deep dive into like like parental relationships and like what does that look like? And I found that to be like really I haven't read that in the arc. Well, I've read it in like bits and pieces, mm-hmm. but I really liked the story. And then um the part four of the other story really felt like it sort of wove in there in terms of like like how do you sort of grow when you're sort of stunted by parental like like it's like it's and like personally for me I related to it a lot because it's been really difficult for me so it just felt like nice to hear it from other people like what is that like that puzzle piecing look like you know when you bring your life back together after being sort of messed up in childhood yeah I think that both stories have um this recognition of like for the storyteller coming into adulthood and then how does she relate to her parents who had conditions that were impacting their ability to be parents. And so it's like meeting parents as adults and kind of figuring that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So should we jump in then with the first story? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So this first one is titled Because I Can Forgive. So my mom and my birth father divorced when I was a baby. Um, My birth father came back from Vietnam with a severe case of PTSD and a drug habit that was not really compatible with being a family man. I can understand him so much more now as an adult, but as a child, it was very hurtful to not have him really be part of my life very much. He would come around and visit. It was, it was all open. I knew who he was, but he was unpredictable. He'd say he was going to come and then he wouldn't show up or then he'd just show up out of the blue. And then at some point he remarried. I was maybe eight or nine, ten, somewhere in there. So early to mid-80s. He remarried and moved to Kansas, and then I didn't see or hear from him until I was, like, 23. I think I wanted closure. By that time, I didn't necessarily want anything from him in terms of a relationship, but I wanted to understand why. And I was going to visit my cousin on my mom's side, who lived, like, half an hour away from where I knew he was. I figured I'm gonna be there. I might as well reach out. When I reconnected with him when I was 23, it was very awkward, very difficult. I had things to say (laughs) um, that weren't necessarily received well. I'm not sure I put them well either. (laughs) Really, we've only truly reconnected since I had my first child, when my biological father found out I was having a baby. He started making more of an effort to stay in contact. I probably hear from him like maybe once a month at this point. So it's not that close feeling you have with uh, someone who's been part of your life, your whole life, but there's still something there. My mom died in 2016. The day my mom died, I was feeling very very unmoored and I called him and I said 
you know, mom just died. And we talked a little bit and we hung up the phone and then he called me back about an hour later and he said, I've been thinking about you losing your mom and I've been thinking back over the past and I just want to say I'm really sorry for being such a bad parent. It was what I needed to hear and I wished I could have told her that he, <laughs> that he had said that finally. And I think that's why we do have the relationship that we have at this point because I can forgive, you know, he understands and I understand him better. So we have a place to work from. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with me, Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs. And this is WVLP 103.1 FM, also streaming online at WVLP.org. So today we have um, this first story that is from uh, a new interview that we've recently posted to our website, and it's going to help us think about parents, children, children coming into adulthood. Um, Reagan, what stood out to you from this first listen of the story? Uh I have a parent that I have gone no contact with. And I'm always fascinated, as somebody who did not go this route, I'm always very interested in the people who are like, no, I want catharsis, I want closure. I'm going to have a, at least a type of confrontation with this with this person. So that, that definitely is something that I'm always hyper aware of. And that just like stuck out. This is like how you want that to work out. Like, Maybe not ideally, obviously, but like, you know, like having somebody be very direct, like, I'm sorry, I was a bad parent. I'm someone who's like at least trying to meet you where you are and be back in your life. Like, that's the ideal of like that. And as somebody who didn't seek that route, because I really, truly do not feel like that is the result that I would receive. Mm -hmm. Like, I am always uh, Mm -hmm. curious about that. So you use the word catharsis and closure, and she uses the word two right which one did she use closure closure what did you hear that to mean and how are you using that term just yeah so i in regards so catharsis being able to specifically get kind of those ideas and thoughts off your chest those feel like hey this you did x and this impacted me y so like the catharsis of that and then the closure of like being able to continue the conversation or at least say like, I said this, you've acknowledged that I've said this and now we can at least somewhat move forward. Like she says, like, I can forgive. We can move forward from here because now we're both putting in effort. I guess that's what I mean by those terms. Okay. And then Willow did anything, either the first time you heard it or hearing it today, jump out as a, something you're hearing this storyteller putting forward for us. Yeah, so um, I'm, I mean, I'm hearing her say, like, I, like, initially when her father had moved to Kansas and then, you know, she hadn't heard from him for a while, um, she's saying, like, I just sort of wanted to know why, um, you know, why he did what he did or, you know, why it happened, I suppose. Um, and I don't know, that sort of stood out to me because that feels like this really sort of, like, I don't want to say naive and sort of like a pejorative way, but like a sort of, like... I don't know, like an, like an innocent sort of way to it. Like, I wanted to understand why, because, I don't know, when I think of that sort of setup, I think it, like, as a child, you want to think that, like, yes, my parent is considering me and considering, you know, next steps and, you know, how what they're doing impacts me. And so you want to understand why it's happening or, like, why they chose to do that. And I think, I don't know, at least for me, what I learned is that What's really sad is that there's no why. There's no there is no consideration to begin with. There was no like, oh hey, I did this because I didn't want to, or I moved because I didn't know if I wanted to. And it was like it's probably not that. It's probably I don't know. He never thought to begin with. There wasn't a why that he did a certain thing. So I don't know. So it's like so. There's something about like even as an adult revisiting that sort of parental relationship. That's just sort of. I don't know, there's sort of like a like a childlikeness to it. She says, um, as the person reflecting in the interview, um, I can understand him so much more now as an adult. 
But as a child, it was very hurtful to not have him really be part of my life. And I think I, I hear her accentuating that he was unpredictable. Like he'd say he was going to come and then he didn't um, as being maybe that piece as a child, which would be so disappointing. And then that continual disappointment, which is sort of rub you raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm imagining, at least from what she gave in the interview, that that's what she's now more able to understand. And what do you two see her, like, how do you see her accounting for that um, in a way that she couldn't as a child? I mean, that confrontation when she's 23, right? I mean, there is something to be said about like uh, children also deserve catharsis and closure children obviously for like very obvious developmental and like power differential reason like within an adult and child relationship any adult and child relationship whether that person be like parent child teacher child just adult child like the child has less power in that situation that's how it is Uh, and that is appropriate 99.9% of the time but like she's an adult He's an adult. She's not dependent on him. She just happens to be in the area. Like, that's where I feel like a lot of that comes from. It's like, that's what makes it different. It's like, now she has a little bit of, like, control over herself and this whole situation. Mm -hmm. She can leave at any point. Well, and she's there to say what she has to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I appreciate, like, it sounds like it, when she says it was awkward, but I, the way that she owns up to like probably how it gushed out of her as well being not put well um that really helped me sort of imagine like the awkwardness of that situation and Mm -hmm. and the genuineness of it like this is what it looks like when we're human with each other it's not polished it's not a tv script um yeah i I'm also wondering about the conditions she named at the beginning of the story that he was a Vietnam vet and had PTSD and a drug habit, maybe which was or wasn't related to that. Um, And I'm guessing those were things, I don't know when her mom would have shared that with her, when she would have come to know that. How important is that in her being able to understand him as an adult, but not as a child? And I, I think I'm curious about, like, he has to be responsible for his behavior still. Mm-hmm. And yet a lot of those experiences were outside of his control. Mm-hmm. And so it's this impact that goes to the next generation, which as a kid, she just is absorbing, maybe in the way that he was absorbing being a Vietnam vet. I don't know. Like, so it's, it's interesting just like all the pieces that as an adult you try to bring into your understanding but as the kid that still realizes like you didn't come when you said you were gonna come yeah I think that is also I feel like all adults have fraught relationships or at least one or they have an experience with one I feel like that's a normal human experience um, and I think a lot of times it is with a family member uh, or at least one of them will be, you know, that kind of thing. But I think that when you do come into adulthood, obviously you can and do carry some of that like childhood pain or childhood confusion with you about the roles that certain people took in your life. But at the same time, like you're an adult and you're like, well, yeah, you know what? Maybe him being a person who was very mentally ill and suffering like with addiction and PTSD, like maybe it wasn't appropriate for him to be around kids and maybe he did make the right call. That doesn't mean it didn't hurt. Yeah. 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 So like what it means to like be an adult and be like relatively emotionally mature while also being true to your own emotions. And like, that's just a fun juggling act that I think you get to do (laughs) for the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah. Willow, do you have anything on that particular sort of like accounting for the external yeah yeah I don't know it's sort of hard for me like I can I can sort of understand like it being hard to account for his behavior and like I don't know like 
what affected him is sort of outside of his control, but it's like, I, I feel like, and I don't know if this is just because of how I'm projecting and this is how I think of my family, mm-hmm. but I tend to think of like generations, especially like recently, like, like, you know, boomers versus like Gen Z. Like I think about like one of these generations is going to have to like, of like parent to children is going to have to eat it a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just, you know what I mean? Like, it's like whether, okay. So it's like, if your grandma was a bad mom to your mom, it's like, Okay, like, I just feel like, yes, my mom got dealt a bad stack of cards and, you know, but it's just like at some point, like, they're like somebody down the line needs to take, a, like, take stock, take a moment to be like, is this the parent that I want to be? And just literally evaluate yourself in the world and just, I don't know, it's just like there's no... There's no stopping and thinking, which is like, you know, I think that's sort of a lot of parents can be like that. Maybe they're not thinking about their kids, but like... I don't know, it's so hard for me to, like, wrap this up in a bow. Like, there's just something about, like, you know, well, yeah, like, for me, like, it, yeah, it was hard for my mom. Like, she does have, like, alcoholism and a lot of other, you know, crap that happened to her as a kid. But it's, like, I don't know. I feel like as a parent, I would be, like, yes, this is how my mom handled situations. And oftentimes, she would resort to anger or other things. And, yes, that is how I've been, that's how my behavior has been modeled. And so every day I have to evaluate how I'm going to react to the world and, like, you know, how I'm going to make my space different from my mom's space. And then in addition to that, not only growing as a person, but also, you know, if I have kids, what is their experience going to be like with me as a parent? You know, am I going, you know, I want to be really sharp in that, like, I, that's why I go to therapy, like, right? right like you just right. like that, like I want to make sure there's a, a maximum amount of healing that happens that I can be the best parent. And that's sort of what I mean by like, one of the generations has to eat it. Like one of them has to be like, I had a crappy childhood and it's going to, and I'm going to have to be a really involved parent. Like this isn't the easy route. Like, yeah, I don't know. So I just, I don't want to like, I'm not saying that we're letting him off the hook, but I think there's something there about like, you know, like you're taking a pass for the next generation. Like, yeah, well, I wonder because it doesn't sound like she's trying to wrap it up with a bow. Right. Um, that's true things are still rocky. I mean, even after the first encounter as a 23-year-old, she says it's really when he found out that she was having a baby that he started making the effort to stay in contact. So this is all, all this time is compressed into our three-minute story, right? But there's years, I think, that are going on. I don't know how old she was when Mm -hmm. she had her first child. Um, It might be close to 23, but... um, that first encounter didn't resolve things. It doesn't sound like to me. Um, he didn't receive very well from her perspective what she had to say. And I do think that, you know, there's there's not very much room or possibility for reconciliation or ongoing relationship if the parent who's had the crappy experiences or crappy childhood doesn't take responsibility for them yeah you know like he didn't choose to be a vietnam vet okay but you still have to take responsibility for that at some point if you're going to be able to have a relationship with your children and so i'm curious like so there's two like big moments one is her having her first child and that means something to him such that he reaches out and and we'd have to hypothesize like what that is because she doesn't tell us and then when she calls him to say that her mom died. And that seems to be the moment where something, I don't know, clicks for him or Mm -hmm. happens differently. Um, Maybe before we talk about that second one, do you all have any uh, intuition about why her having a baby? So weirdly, yes. Okay. Uh, Okay, so this is relatively reminiscent of my mom's situation yeah uh my mom uh she my grandma got pregnant young in the 80s yeah like 84 85 uh had my mom 85 so pregnant somewhere in there and um married the guy who got her pregnant he like rightfully so was like i'm not gonna be a very good dad I will pay you support, but I'm not, I can't do this. And divorced and like left them. 
uh, and then would kind of periodically be in and out of my mom's life. And then some situations happened where my grandmother was no longer fit to be a parent to my mother and my aunt. And so they went to live with my adoptive great-grandmother, uh, who opt- also had adopted my grandma. So it's like a okay. a continued adoption situation. <laughs> and then my grandma, my my mom's dad was pretty much out of her life until she was an older teen. And then she got pregnant with me at 16, had me at 17. And then my, um, my biological grandmother, she would pop in and out like this. She'd be like, Oh, I'm going to come visit. I'm going to come take you girls home. And then she would just never show up. Mm -hmm. And like, they would have like all their bags packed and like, she just would never come or I'm going to, I'll see you soon or I'll call you on this day. And then she would, and she wouldn't. Um, and then it wasn't like it was immediate. Like my mom didn't really have a relationship with her parents. And then my mom, we, we she grew up very evangelical Christian, uh, and I kind of did too. And she had to marry my dad, uh, and he was 20, she was 16. He was her youth pastor, or like an assistant oh. youth pastor. Yeah, not great. Um, but her so then there was two years they were married sorry this is too much backstory but (laughs) basically my mom got divorced from my dad and like started having consistent contact with her parents when she got pregnant with me and then was able to maintain a relationship with somewhat with her parents uh after she had divorced my dad like that's when my bio grandma came to visit like, that's when I, like, met my bio-grandpa. Like, I was very young at the time. I didn't super remember. But then, like, my grandma would come down for, like, Christmas every once in a while. And then, like, eventually, like, they lived with us for a little bit and then, like, moved out. And then she lived in and- Indiana to be with us, which, like, she was uh, not happy to do, but she <laughs> did. <laughs> and she was, like, she was not a perfect person. And in retrospect, unfortunately, I have guilt saying this. If she had lived longer than she had, I don't think our relationship would have been as good as it was. Oh. Um, but while we had it, it was a really good relationship, and she like really prioritized my mom and her's relationship because of us grandkids. And then my grandpa did the same thing, basically like five yeah. years later. Yeah. Um, so like there is kind of like, I remember having a lot of conversation with my grandparents of like, I don't know if they ever said these things to my mom, but like knowing that they messed up. But, like, wanting another chance and, like, being able Mm -hmm. to, like, kind of have that with us kids. And, like, never feeling very good about being a parent, but feeling much more comfortable being a grandparent. (laughs) You know? It's complicated. It's also messy. Everything's messy. (laughs) Yeah. It's also making me remember one of my friends, Paula, um, she's she's in a, a relationship, married with a partner, woman had a child and um that having a child totally changed her parents relationship understanding of her marriage yeah (laughs) you know like I I there was some sort of standard homophobia and then some religious judgment about her being in uh, lesbian relationships and then she's like you wouldn't believe it Allison you have a kid and everything changes <laughs> so I yeah I, there's that that somehow you must feel I know this is so hard for me to understand because I don't have kids like yeah so I don't understand the like generational thing going forward I only understand it like <laughs> going backward um but that you must feel as a grandparent connected to this new being in the world. But like it maybe like what you said, a fresh chance. Yeah. But also a different responsibility towards them. It's not up to you to raise that child exactly. I mean yeah. you must feel like you have some influence or want to have some influence, but I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Don't get it because I'm not even close to being a grandparent. Um I don't know, Willow, do you have anything on that particular? I am so much more cynical than both of you. <laughs> <as for you. laughs> um, no, like, so, okay, so my mom's mom, 
um, my grandma, who's no longer here, um, her first husband that she got married to, I think, I don't know, she would always say, like, I married the first man I kissed. That was her thing. Um, um, he basically, like, beat the heck out of her and my mom for several years because he was gay. I mean, so it's like, I think from what they talk about, they're like, oh, he felt really, like, closeted or, like, pressured, and so he, like, sort of took it out on them. Um so yeah, so basically they had like a horrible time. My mom and my grandma, like my grandma got my mom and they had to like leave in the middle of the night. Um, and like, thank God my grandma was like trained as a nurse so she could support them. Mm. Um, but yeah, but it's like that my mom had not talked to this man, her father for several years. You know, my grandma had got remarried to the sweetest man ever, my papa. And um, like, it was all like, you know, that guy who was, I guess he worked at the mill, um, I don't know. It's just like the relationship was so fraught. They never spoke. But then apparently as soon as my mom had me, all of a sudden he wanted to start reaching out. And apparently like what my mom said is that he had a picture of me in his locker at the mill. Hmm. But it just feels like I I hear the second chance thing and I take it so much more pessimistically. Mm. Like you had 30 years to like not F up the first chance. And now you're like, oh, great. Clean slate. I don't have to worry about any of the crap that I did to you because I have this brand new person without any backstory of how horrible I've been in this family. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to start a fresh new chance. I don't know. That's sort of how I take it. Like, it's just like there needs to be. And it's like for that, for it to not be that pessimistic, there needs to be accountability. Accountability Mm -hmm. has to be a part of that. Like there has to be some sort of understanding of, I'm not this person because for me it's like you're not coming around my children and you can't take responsibility. There's no second chance for you unless you've figured out what the problem is. I don't know, but it's just like but but the the turning point for me is in in the second part that you okay. mentioned, the um when he calls after she let him know that in the story, after she let him know that her mom died. And for me, that's actually really powerful. That the the idea that she let him know and then, like, she, I, I love that she said, we even, we talked for a little bit, we hung up the phone, and then he called back about an hour later, mm-hmm. just to say, I've been thinking about you losing your mom, and I've been thinking back over the past, and I just want to say, I'm really sorry for being such a bad parent. And it's like, that is so powerful, because it's not like he said it compulsive like you know what I mean like it wasn't it wasn't like that in the moment it was he didn't even need to call back but he hung up the phone and what I assume is that he thought about it for an hour and then he called her back just to say something kind and I like that to me is the most powerful turning point in the entire story not the I'm sorry not the trying to get back in touch with the grand like your grandchildren Mm -hmm. not any of that but specifically just the consideration that had never been there before, I think is really powerful for me at least. Yeah, yeah. I like that, well, that's a weird way of seeing it. Um, The storyteller adds, I wished I could have told my mom that he had said that finally. And so I think that's to your point a little bit, Willow, that so she says, that was what I needed to hear. Like, finally, I got the, he's taking responsibility mm-hmm. for not being able to be a good parent. Not being a good parent. Um, but she recognizes that it was something her mom would have benefited yeah. from hearing, too. So that is really, that is really interesting. Um, this is WVLPLP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, community-supported radio, also streaming live from WVLP.org. We rely on donations from individuals, businesses, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing, volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. So please consider supporting this station by visiting the website wvlp.org backslash support. Donations are tax deductible and we'd sure appreciate it. Ooh, I just feel very tender today. (laughs) This is really a powerful conversation. Uh, I'm Allison Schutte with Willow Walsh and Reagan Skaggs. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. And we have two stories today from the same storyteller new to our collection at uh, welcomeproject.valpo.edu. 
And we're talking about um, children and parents and kids as they come into their adulthood, re-relating to their parents. Um, I just want to give either of you a chance to say final comments before we move on to the second story. At this point, obviously, we can always come back and, and bring it back in, but anything you want to add? Before I think we, we can on? jump right in. Okay. So I did want to give some context to listeners um, for this second story. The second story is called Hold My Boundaries, but it, on the website, it's part of um, a four-part story by this, by this storyteller called Not at the Expense of Being Myself. And um, it's a long story, which is why we've excerpted the last part of it. Um, so the, the full story is almost 18 minutes long. So if you like what you're hearing from this speaker, we would encourage you uh, to go to our website, welcomeproject.valpo.edu. And if you um, search not at the expense of being myself, um, you'll find the full story. And um, this speaker, came to the Welcome Project and said she wanted to talk about um, her past and her experiences. And part of it was she said that she was raised in a cult. And so the 18-minute the story goes into a lot more of the backstory on that and um, how her parents, and um, that's her stepdad and her, and her biological mom that she talks about in this story, really were in search of a community and found... Um, this uh, group in Texas, which is where she was raised, um, just out, outside of Austin, she says. Um, and that community sense is what drew them in. And I, had, I asked her at one point during the interview about the difference between a cult and a community, because in the interview, she would often go back and forth between those two still. So I wanted to share a little bit with you from the long form interview she did about the difference between those. Um, between those two terms. So she said this community that they came up, that she came up in, she said it is a cult. People are controlled. Their lives are controlled. You are punished if you leave. So it is definitely a cult. But I think particularly when I'm thinking of some of the things that maybe were more positive or more deeply attached to me, I still revert to using the word community. And then she added, they still self-describe as a community, and they very strongly resist the word cult. It took me several years after I left before I finally broke down and realized, yes, it is a cult. And um, that to me seems really important because I think from the outside, we might have really strong associations with the term cult and immediately think like, how could you ever raise your child in a cult? But I think part of what she knows from having come up in it is like the power of the ties um, mm-hmm. that really make it a, a a place that you're enticed to stay and feel fed and flourishing mm-hmm. in. Um, and for her, part of her story is coming to wake up to the fact that she was not going to be able to flourish there. So other parts of her 18-minute um, story are called like... Um, I have no future here. And then this final story um, we've called Hold My Boundaries. So um, right before this story, she has finally um, left the cult. And it was a pretty dramatic departure. She has um, this person that she's met online uh, drive down to uh, the airport um, where, no, he flies in to the airport and then the two of them drive up to Chicago together. And she does this while her mom is in one of the community meetings. So she leaves without letting her mom know or anybody else in the community slash cult know that she's leaving. And she does leave a note for her, her mom. So I think that's what everybody might need to know in order to understand um, this story, Hold My Boundaries. So I, when I called my mom, she felt that if I would have at least told her face to face, it would have been easier. I'm not convinced it would have, but I do know that for her to come home to a note from me was, she probably did deserve better than that. And she had a very hard time with that. Um, and our relationship was very rocky for quite some time. Um, 
I am proud of the way I did kind of hold my boundaries. Like on my birthday, she sent me an email saying your your dad would be so disappointed in you. It, I'm glad he's dead and not here to see how you've turned out. And I was like, okay, we're taking a break for a while. <laughs> um, when I told her I was expecting my first baby, she was really excited at first. And then she was like, well, I hope you don't take him to hell with you. So that was hard. She was always a very kind person. So when she would do these things, I would know it was coming from someone else. But that didn't make it hurt less. And then after that, things started getting a little better. We went down for Christmas one year. And then the next year, she was diagnosed with breast cancer again. It was her third round of breast cancer. It was very, very aggressive. It was bad. During the last six months or so of my mom's life, um, I visited three times with my kids and uh, spent time with her and got to spend time with people that I had not seen in years and, and really loved. For me, trying to find where I belong has been very difficult because when I would find a potential friend group, people will have things in common that I just don't have in common. I actually made myself sit down and watch all of the seasons of Friends, even though I absolutely hated the show, just so I'd know what the references were. Because I had friends who talked about it all the time. At some point, I thought, that's crazy. Why am I doing this? <laughs> and then I have two children who are special needs. And I'm a 46-year-old in college. And I think I've hit a point in my life where I realize I don't have to fit into a group so much as I need to just find people that I can be myself with and I can appreciate who they are for themselves. So even here at school, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, in their early 20s, but I appreciate them for who they are and they're my friends, even though I could be their mother. Taking the pressure off of myself of having to fit in has improved my life. <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't still want some sense of community, but I... I don't want to look for it at the expense of being myself. This is WVLP 103.1 FM and streaming online at WVLP.org. Listen up. Welcome Project Radio with me, Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs. And if you're just joining us today, we're listening to two stories from the same storyteller. Um, both have to do with... Um, being an adult and coming into a new relationship with your parents, one that has been very strained by um, conflict and trauma. So, Reagan, do you want to jump in with the first thing that stands out to you? Uh, stays with you? I think she's right in the beginning when she says that her mom feels like it would be easier if she told her face to face, but she does not really convinced that would have been the case. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably not, especially if it's, like, a cult, which is, like, a, you know, a control group where you get punished for leaving and potentially, like, her mother would be looked down on in the community. Like, they probably wouldn't have let her leave. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, you know, I think mom obviously was there apparently until she died, so she must yeah. have believed in whatever tenets were going on. Um, and I, oh, that is always, again, as somebody... You know, a lot of my family is very evangelical Christian, and I truly believe that they believe the things they do. But that does not mean that they do things kindly or well. And that just, it's it's just one big circle. It's just one big conversation of, well, I know you believe this, and I know this is your heart, but I don't think that the thing that you said to me is correct. <laughs> yeah, and just to be clear for people who did hear the first story, when she mentions the dad, it's her it's her uh, stepdad, who was um, a very important, positive influence in her life growing up. Um, Willow, what stood out to you from 
this story, either hearing it again or... I, I love the title of the story, Hold My Boundaries, because it's like... I like I like where she ends it sort of like you know like I'm not gonna find community at the expense of being myself but there's sort of like I feel like people who get like the crap end of the stick are always so I don't know like I just like she's still like she's so kind about it in a way that I don't think I could be (laughs) like you know like when her mom just starts saying like nasty things to her she's just like all right well we're gonna go ahead and take a break like (laughs) I don't know that's such like a removed and like kind way to to do it and like I and I just and she has such an incredible like capacity for empathy especially as she's thinking like you know, I, I left a note for her and, you know, my mom said that she didn't like it, but, you know, and I wish I hadn't have done that to her. Like, she's still being so considerate, even though her parents put her in this horrible situation, like, beyond her control that she had to escape from. Like, I don't know, I just, uh, there's something about people like this that I just want to, like, hold and empower. Like, <laughs> not like I kind of am doing my best. Like, nope, you're doing pretty great, and that's really crappy for your parents to treat you like that. You're like, you are so in the right. I don't know. It's just like... Yeah, it, and, you know, it's, it's always hard with the interview because it is somebody who's aware that they're telling a story to another person. And in this case, you know, like people that aren't even in their room um and if her mom died in 2016 that's six years Mm. um so there's some room for perspective Mm. um between when her mom sent that and then her retelling it but um I wonder like if there's a like how would you how do you hear the tone in which she's speaking, because I there could be a kind of bravado there. I mean, she's she's still being very vulnerable with us, I think, because she says um, uh, that didn't make it hurt less. You know, the fact that the storyteller could realize that when her mom says these hurtful things, it's maybe coming from a belief system and not from you know like who she knows her mom to be at her core. But she says that doesn't make it hurt less. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about the tone in which she's telling us this? Is there some ways in which she's, you know, presenting the best front? Or um... that has to be part of it. I'm I'm not going to say it's not. But I do think, and this is, I don't know if this is an actual thing. It's just a thing that I've noticed in people that have been through things. Um you get to a point where things just kind of have to be okay. Mm. It's not that they are okay. It's that they have to be. Um, especially if, you know, if you want a relationship. She wants a relationship with her mother. She has to accept. So a certain amount of something has to give. Yeah. Um, and I think, Willow, you're right. She's doing great. She does a great job of holding her boundaries. She does a great job of being, like, acknowledging her feelings She's a lot farther along than a lot of other people yeah, I know right? in this. But, like, I think when... When... This is not a good situation to put your child in. This is not a reasonable situation to put your child in. Um, there are a lot of reasons why somebody might have felt that this was appropriate or good. But that doesn't make it so. Are you talking about her being... Her in- mom... Yeah, her mom put... Like, being in, in the coal. And, like, for all I know, like, this is the only way that she was able to, like, support her child. This is how she met her. But I don't know. I haven't listened to the other two stories. Uh, and, frankly, it's also kind of not my business. Like, it's... We're too far gone beyond that. You can't go back in time and change somebody's yeah, thought process. Yeah, it's yeah. too late. What's done is done. Um, and I think that, that at a certain point, like, that is how you have to think of it. You're like, well, what's done is done. If I want to move forward, like, certain things have to be okay. Mm-hmm. Certain things have to be flexible. Uh, and there's not a ton of getting around it. But there is, you know, you should still maintain boundaries. Like, you should still acknowledge your feelings. But, like, if you want X, sometimes you don't get it the way you want it. Yeah. I'm really just profoundly inspired by this storyteller because I like where would you learn this when it's not coming from your parents Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. example you know or your world around you like the the 
like, where do you get your wisdom from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like these are things I'm working on and I did not have these same difficult conditions uh, or to the extent, I guess, uh, you can't compare people's experiences exactly. But um, yeah, so there's a, a sort of a self-possession that she has that I think mm-hmm. is very um, admirable or I admire for sure. Uh, it's just curious too that the baby comes up again. Yeah. <laughs> but the mom seems, at least in this storyteller's revelations about it, it's different than the the biological dad, and and maybe because they've had a more ongoing relationship, the mom's reaction is immediately both and like, oh, this is amazing. I'm I'm going to want to have you back in my life, and like, oh. You know, I hope you're not taking the kid to hell with uh-huh. you. Yeah, you're not living the lifestyle that I think you should be living. So yeah. therefore, yeah, yeah. I do also think that like when not all the time, but a lot of the time, like this is. And again, you can't compare experiences, but sometimes it's if in my experience, sometimes it's almost easier to have somebody who's like abandoned you come back than it is to deal with the friction Hmm. with someone you've maintained like an intimate emotional relationship for years your childhood like whatever um and part of it i think is like the you know her mom you know hit her where it hurt she's like hope you don't take your baby (laughs) i don't i hope your baby isn't internally damned like you are like that's awful that is an awful thing to say and that is a, a you know probably a pretty pretty well placed punch you know um yeah and i also feel that way about the other comment about your dad would be so disappointed in you yeah. knowing the that how important her her stepdad was to her um to just like mm-hmm. you you can see the mom knows yes to hit where it hurts mm-hmm. and I guess that shows from the outside something about the, I don't know, like the mom, it's this backwards way of valuing the relationship. I kind of hate to say it that way, but um, there's still care there. It's just like all backwards. It's tangled up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is WVLP 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, Indiana. And you're listening to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with me, Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs. Um, I really want to dig into this part, Willow, that you were pointing out to you about, you know, like these, these, these words, like we want to belong, we want to fit in, we want community. Um, how, how do you hear or the difference between fitting in and belonging? Or do you see them as the same thing? She starts by saying, you know, trying to find where I belong has been very difficult. And then later she's like, I realize I don't have to fit into a group so much as I need to just find people that I can be myself with and I can appreciate who they are for themselves. What's that difference between the fitting in and the finding people I can be myself with? Yeah, I mean, I feel like fitting in is like, it's like a verb. It's like it's like you have to try to do it. And I feel like belonging is sort of the opposite. It's sort of like just like the fact of being within your own community. Like there's just like um there's an effortlessness to it. Like you're just there because you have things in common with other people or I don't know like it seems like it's sort of a miss for her like she said she does have um, friends in their early 20s because she's in college and so it feels like fitting in feels like watching the entire series of friends mm-hmm. to get the references and like belonging feels different it's like some somewhere you just sort of arrive and you get that feeling that like oh like I'm here so I don't know and I feel like but even though fitting in takes effort, I think reaching a state of belonging also takes effort too. Um, I recently watched a TikTok that really annoyed me. And you know, it's like, you know, when you like Google something and you're like, I just want to hear the easy answer. I want you to, I want to hear the thing that I want to hear. Like not like, so 
what I mean by that is, so I watched this TikTok, and she's like, I'm going to give you the best advice I had, and it's the advice you don't want to hear, which is, no, there's no easy way to connecting with people on the internet, and there's no, like, seamless, painless way of doing this. You just sort of have to, like, start making TikToks. You just have to sort of start being yourself and being more present, and that's how you sort of attract the people around you. She's like, that is not going to relieve you from, like brushing up with people who don't like you but it's just sort of like putting yourself out there is going to be the sort of catalyst for finding your community and finding your sense of belonging and so I hate things like that because it's like no that's not what I want to hear which is what I know you should be doing it's it's like I don't know so it's like that sort of thing it's sort of finding a sense of belonging is sort of that uncomfortable process of finding all the places you don't belong until you find the one or multiple that you sort of do belong. I think that's sort of the difference. Regan, what do you think? Like, how would you describe it or add to that? Or, I mean, yeah, belonging is, I think I agree with Willa, like the fitting in as a verb and belonging as like a sense. But I do also think it's important to note that it's not innate like I I am an obnoxious extrovert I love hanging out with people I love having a lot of friends I am almost always like texting calling I am almost always like making plans with somebody that's for me that's happy that's what I want to do that's what I want to be doing I'm happy to be to be doing that um but that doesn't mean like most of the people that I would describe now as my really good friends, like including like you and Willow, like I didn't was not comfortable around to start with. I'm very rarely comfortable with people that I want to be friends with mm-hmm. <laughs> until we've like been around each other a lot. Like I don't I didn't I really liked Willow. Like when I first got to know her, I was very uncomfortable around Willow until like six months into our relationship and then i was like all right cool we're friends now you, uh, are you hungry you want to go <laughs> you want to go get something um and there are a couple people in my life where i'm like oh yeah no this was like almost an instant connection i have a really good friend named star um i have a friend um that like, who i live with now his name is alex and we became friends literally he was 11 i was 12 we've been friends ever since like there are people who like you do get that instant kind of zing with but I think that's really really rare and most of the really wonderful people in my life now are not people that I had like my zing with they're not like an immediate like oh we're gonna be really good friends you're gonna be somebody who's gonna be in my life like forever they're people it took me a while to warm up to so like belonging is also a practice Hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I um I mean, I, I think when I hear fit into, I, like, I have this image of a puzzle piece or, like, the absence of the puzzle piece. And so then you try to shape yourself so that you can mm. fit into that. It's mm-hmm. a lot like when she's talking about watching all the episodes of Friends, especially because she doesn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And it'd be one thing if it was like, oh... I missed out. This is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's like I hated every minute of it, but I knew I wouldn't get cultural references if I didn't do this. And so that's like this sort of I'm changing something about myself in order to fit in. And I think when she mentions I just need to find people that I can be myself with. That's that's still there is an activity going on there. Now I'm looking for those people that I don't have to change myself for because they will appreciate something about me the way I am. And in turn, I'll appreciate something about them, too, Um, that which I feel like is similar to other characters characteristics of this person or qualities of this person this this um, acceptance because I think that's what's also allowed her to hold her boundaries with her parent or her mom and also probably is what empowered her to confront her biological dad um, that like if you're if you're still trying to fit in you're not going to be able to do those things very well yet because you're fitting in is always like a co- trying to accommodate the other person. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe she got, it's interesting that she got all that practice 
with her biological dad and her mom, but still tried to fit in mm-hmm. when she left the cult in order, you know, like, I, like how disorienting would that be? Yeah. To have, it wasn't in her entire life, but it was most of her life being raised in this cult where the people that you got to know and you cared about were very limited. And now you're out alone, except for this one person you met online who has flown down in order to drive up with you to Chicago. Um, yeah, so it I like it certainly makes sense to me that your immediate impulse is like, I have to have this again. I have to have some source of connection again. Otherwise, like I'm isolated, I'm alone and that would not feel like a good solitude, but just I think what the cult is designed to make you feel that you can't do it because it just would be so lonely, I would think. Um, so it's interesting that she has to kind of relearn some things that she must have learned already in order to leave the cult in the first place. Mm-hmm got to relearn it but hopefully in a fun way in a making friends way (laughs) (laughs) and i mean if it means watching friends maybe that's not as bad as some of the things that happen to her i don't know (laughs) you can take that out you can take that (laughs) out yeah and then what about this last line this just to build off of what we're saying it doesn't mean i don't still want some sense of community but i don't want to look at it for the for it at the expense of being myself. I mean, I think that, I don't know, I really value, I, I'm very strong leaning left. I have a lot of those values of strong community, strong, you should do what you can for others, all that other stuff. Um, but I do think that, like, it's creating a community for you and others. You're not creating a community and then forsaking yourself. You know, you're building something ideally, like whether your community is a group of friends, family and friends, like your neighborhood, uh, like the school you go to, whatever, your community is also for you. So you can't neglect yourself mm-hmm. in building something for mm-hmm. others, you know? Yeah. I wonder if that means some places you go, you will end up accepting that I won't find community here even though I have to be here mm-hmm. you know because I'm thinking about other welcome project storytellers who've really struggled to find any sense of belonging at Valpo and this storyteller did um, for reasons that have to do with like her own like growth as a, as a human but I think probably also to do with like probably who she's connected to there. And I, I I do think that some of our campus storytellers have had to realize that they won't find belonging at the university. They will attend there as students, and then they will find that elsewhere because they can't, they can't, without changing themselves, find the community there. Mm-hmm. So... I guess it's sobering to realize that not every space can mm-hmm. be big enough mm-hmm. for everyone to feel like they could belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any parting words, Willow? I don't know. I feel like there are, I think, okay, well, I'll leave us with this. Finding community, I think it's rare when it, you know, just happens to find you. And I think in order to find your community, there's there's some sense for yourself that you have to sort of keep putting yourself out there and you have to sort of keep trying to find community instead of expecting it to find you. Um, so if you're looking for community, keep trying, even though it might be annoying to find in a lot of places you don't fit, but eventually you will find the one that you do fit. So it's out there. Before we head out today, we would like to encourage you to check out WVLP's full schedule of shows at WVLP.org, and we highly recommend Morning Black, which airs live every Saturday morning at 8 a.m., 
and black stands for building leaders and cultural knowledge. And the show focuses on concerns and issues that impact underrepresented communities of color and particularly African-American communities here in Northwest Indiana. So we encourage you to check that show out. And that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again to our sponsor, sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. Both are also open for business at their locations downtown on Lincoln Way. Visit their websites to learn more. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. You can find us online at welcomeproject.belpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support WVLP and our show, you can make a donation by going to wvlp.org support. 